in the flames on the highway, a dark red fire with black smoke spiraling toward the sky. More tanks sped past us and people shot at them. An ambulance rushed by, its sirens blaring. I ran toward a nearby mosque and hugged the wall to avoid the gunfire. Next to me stood a local sheikh. When I told him I was a journalist, he told me his brother and sons were being held at Abu Ghraib. I took his mobile number and promised to call him to make an appointment later. It was surreal. As I hugged the wall of the mosque, I met the head of a local relief agency who told me about his charity's blood drive for civilian victims of the siege of Fallujah. He wanted to stay and talk, but I apologized and rushed back to my car. I sat in the old station wagon as my translator drove it through the back roads into Baghdad. It took an hour and a half to get home this way, but it was better than risking shrapnel from an exploding tank. Those kinds of experiences weren't easy for me. While I was still in Iraq, I cried at the slightest provocation. Every afternoon, after my time in the field, I would sit transcribing interviews with my translator, tears running down my cheeks. At night, it was worse. The tragedy unfolding on the streets of Baghdad and Fallujah began to invade my dreams. In one recurring nightmare, I found myself at a bus depot in downtown Baghdad, unable to get a ticket to Istanbul. From Istanbul, I would have been able to fly home to California. I need to get to Istanbul, I would say with great urgency to a myriad of conductors, concessionaires, and drivers, but every time I would be denied. There are no buses to Istanbul, a conductor would say, as a large 1970s superliner pulled out with Istanbul emblazoned on its front. When I ran to the driver of the bus, he turned to me. All sold out, he would shrug. This would go on for some time until, eventually, a long-limbed man with a daffy smile and long tongue would approach me with a kitchen knife and cut off my head in the style of the most macabre Hollywood slasher movie. Blood would spurt from the stump of my neck as my face looked on in horror. Finally, my translator, Wasim, would appear and wrestle the knife from my crazed assailant and I would wake. I knew I had to get out of Iraq, especially after I went to Fallujah at the beginning of May 2004 and saw the aftermath of the U.S. siege there. In Fallujah, I watched as medical teams pulled the already decomposing remains of a middle-aged woman out of the ground before burying her in a makeshift cemetery in the municipal football stadium. Back in Baghdad, I couldn't get her out of my mind. We had never met in life, but now that she was dead, she appeared to me as a vision over and over again. When I was awake, she hovered directly in front of my eyes with a kind of translucent quality. When I was asleep, she appeared whole in the ground. I drank more and worried I was developing post-traumatic stress disorder, a psychological disease that often strikes soldiers and others close to severe violence. I thought of broken Vietnam veterans I'd met back home in the States. I knew I didn't want to end up like them, tortured for decades by my wartime experiences. Every person has a breaking point, and I could tell that I was reaching my limit. So I called my editors, said goodbye to my Iraqi friends, and took a bus from Baghdad to Kurdistan in northern Iraq. From there, I took a taxi and then a bus back to Ankara, 
where I spent a week cooling off with friends in the cafes and restaurants of the Turkish capital. I walked the streets of Aksaray, an old section of Istanbul, and relaxed in the heat of a Turkish bath. Then, with the war at least a little bit out of my system, I boarded a plane to the States. A week later, I was in California sleeping next to my fiancé in the back of her parents' house. But I wasn't really happy back at home. Her parents lived a few blocks away from the local ABC TV station's news helicopter pad. Every time I heard the chopper go by, I felt agitated. I woke up in the middle of the night and paced through the house and into their backyard. I had visions, usually during the daytime, of people and things I had seen in Iraq. I'd left Iraq, but Iraq did not leave me. I'd left Iraq, but I knew civilians who lived there could not. I felt like I'd abandoned my Iraqi friends.